When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Imagine surrounding yourself with incredible women, women who've overcome challenges, they've rebounded after failures and disappointments, and women who are not afraid to shine their brilliance to make a mark in the world. These women support other like-minded women because they know there is plenty of opportunity for everyone and that together we really can make a difference, grow our businesses while have fun along the way. This is what Women in Leadership Podcast is all about. Welcome, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Grab a cover of your favorite beverage, pull up a chair and let's get this conversation started. And welcome to another episode. My guest today says there is no magic secret or undiscovered skill that the leader of the future needs. It is empathy first, always has been. Joining me on today's show is Summer Davies. Summer has helps leaders develop the mindset and tactical skills they need to lead with impact, confidence, empowerment, and love what they do. She is passionately committed to enabling leaders to connect their personal purpose to the impact they make when leading others. Now, on today's show, Summer's going to share deep insight on why building skills in leaders matters so much, even in organizations who are too busy to do this well. She's going to talk about what employee engagement is and why it makes such a difference, as well as why being mindful or a mindful, purposeful leader is deeply critical and not just nice to have anymore. So welcome to the show, Summer. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. This is such an important topic, particularly for leaders who have still navigating through what happened over the last three or four years and with all of the changes going on in the world. But before we get started, what was it that led you down the path to being so empowered to speak about this topic? Oh, you know, I think it was probably a lot of things, but this was definitely not my planned profession. I find often coaches who work in this space will say something similar. Very few people go to university saying, I want to be a leadership coach. Mm. Um, it's just not, it's just not common until you've had the opportunity to get out into the world and experience the impact that leaders can make and really start to get a passion for it. So for me, that came by accident. Um, my intention was to be in the equine profession. I have a degree in equine reproduction. I thought I was going to breed racehorses and that's not the way life went. Um, and when I was really young, I was 25, 24, 25, I was thrown into a leadership role with no training and really no business leading a team of people that, that I was leading. And it was really hard. It was a really difficult experience for me. And it was for sure difficult for the people who worked on my team because I had no clue how to engage people, how to help them feel like they mattered at work, um, how to bring out great ideas, how to how to do all those things that really great leaders do. 
And it was it was a pretty rugged time. This will date me a little bit. So I, I made the choice to try to figure out what I needed to do. I knew I needed to do something. Um, I didn't know what it was, but I was pretty sure the problem was me. So I went to an actual bookstore where they sell actual books. Um, so that might tell you how old I am. And uh, I, I found it just an old school, really good leadership book. And I read it and just started playing with the concepts and ideas and the difference that that made in the experience my folks were having coming to work was so profound that I was absolutely confident this is my jam, that I want to do more of this. So I went back to school, learned a lot more about leadership development, how you can do it really well, how organizations do it well, and had the privilege of then spending 15 years in really large organizations um, looking after leaders, thinking mindfully and strategically about leadership development at all levels. And mm -hmm. for me, um, it's just, it's such a critical piece of the experience we have as humans, the yeah. way we come to work, the way we feel about the work that we do. So it's a, uh, it's a fun, it's a fun gig. Yeah. I love that you shared that story because how many of us have got experiences where we remember, we remember back to the leaders that we had and the lessons we learned was, I do not want to lead like that leader. So we certainly learned lessons, but that you are, you empowered yourself um, because we know that we can love a role. We can love what we do. We can love the clients, love the organization. But if there is a leader there that is not able to lead well, uh, it can certainly impact the whole environment, can't it? So uh, amazing, amazing, amazing. So let's talk about, um, I mean, you say it's so important to build skills and leadership, uh, even in organisations who are too busy to do this well. So if there is someone that is listening, if you are sitting across the table from someone in an organisation that said, Summer, we, we know what you're saying, we agree it's important, but we don't have the time. What would you say? What would you say to encourage them? So that is not an uncommon thing for folks to say. And the truth is most organizations are very busy and they are busier than ever. So if organizations look critically at how busy they would say they are now, most would probably say they're busier now than they were pre-pandemic or even 10 years ago as the rate and pace of change and our society just continues to speed up. And, and the reality is there's no evidence that that is going to slow down, that this pace that we live in will somehow slow down at some point. So this experience of being super busy in your organizations um, is not uncommon. And so many organizations will say, you know, we get it. Developing leaders is so important, but so are so many other things. And, and we've got to prioritize. And what I often say is you can do that. It is not a sustainable long-term way to ensure that your organization is going to be successful. And, and we have so many powerful stories of organizations that have said, we're going to prioritize getting work done, getting the thing done over investing in our people. And they find that that is a short-term strategy. It will definitely work for two to three years. But then we start to see some of the things we're seeing in many organizations. So there's some new data that just came out from Gallup who do a brilliant job of studying the experience people are having at work. And what they found is only 23% of employees are reporting that they are thriving at work and that they feel a sense of connection and commitment to the organizations that they work in. And so if you think about your workforce only being 23% committed, that then becomes an emergency. 
because you've got a whole portion of your population who aren't really bought in. They might be showing up to work and logging in and looking like they're they're there. And maybe they're doing the work, but they don't really have the heart in it. And that's where you start to to see little pieces crumble and, and along the way organizations find that becomes really difficult to recover from versus saying, if we prioritize leadership development now, then we don't block all the brilliant innovation and engagement and productivity that we could be creating mm-hmm. uh, over time. So yeah. for me, that's kind of what I think. This makes so much sense. And if I can share some research that I uh, often will go to through an organisation called Edelman, and they do an Edelman Mm. Trust Barometer every year. You've probably heard of it. Mm. And one of the consistent things that we've seen over the last number of surveys that they have done is that individuals are looking more to their organisations, to their leaders um, for direction, if you will, um, rather than some of the other institutions like government and um, media and so forth, because they're such a mystery trust there, which means that organisations who do so back into their organisation, their their biggest asset uh, is their team. And so whilst everything around they may not be able to control, they certainly have the ability to control what happens in the environment, don't they? And as you say, if people are only 20-something percent engaged in their work and and feeling fulfilled and and purposeful and so forth, there's a huge opportunity there, isn't there? From a larger scale, your employees, your team, let them, if they're looking to you and you can really inspire and empower through what you're doing, there's something that happens, isn't it, in an individual? And if you do that, you know, collectively, man, imagine the impact that you could have within the organisation. You would have some incredible stories, I'm sure, when changes were made in that area. We do see some really tremendous stories on both sides of the spectrum in organizations that have done this really, really well and organizations that have not so much. So one of the stories I tell an awful lot is one about an organization that did not do this quite so well. Um, And it's about NASA, which is an organization that I also have some great stories about. So I I hate to say that I'm picking on them, but in this particular instance, it's it's who it was. So... um, In the early 80s, there was a a rocket launch called the Challenger launch. And those of us who were alive during that time will remember NASA launched a rocket. There were seven astronauts on board. It was a very hopeful part of the space program. And just moments after it launched, the entire spaceship exploded, killed everyone on board. And most of that was was live broadcasted. It was just deeply tragic event for those for those seven people on board and their families. And even more upsetting, as they investigated what happened, they found out that there were individuals who worked at NASA for years beforehand who knew there was something wrong with the space shuttle. And there wasn't managers and a mechanism in place in the organization to let those voices be heard. Even worse, they found out that the weeks before the shuttle went up, there was a handful of individuals who knew for sure it was going to explode. No doubt in their mind, there was simple things that could be fixed to avoid it. And they did not have the management structure and capabilities in place to be able to elevate those concerns and take action. What a horrible example of what can happen. And I argue often your challenger disaster in your organization is hiding in a corner somewhere. And yeah. somebody knows about it and they know how to fix it. 
if you have a manager who's leading them, who knows how to bring those ideas out and help them feel safe, help them feel like they can act on that information. Now, a much more exciting story on the, on the happy side of it, mostly because it's the favorite product in my household, um, Frito-Lay, Frito-Lay company who makes potato chips, um, they were looking in the mid 80s, I believe, they were looking for a brand new flavor. People were kind of stale with what we'd had. You know, they wanted something totally different, totally off the wall. And they went to their employment force and said, what do you guys think? Knowing that the best ideas, the people who know the most about these products work here, we should ask them. And so they did. They went out and asked and a janitor in one of the Frito-Lay factories said, I think we should make something really hot and cheesy. And that was the start of Flaming Hot Cheetos. And that has become an iconic part of their brand for decades because they were able to engage a workforce who cared about the brand enough to put their neck out and say, this is a crazy idea, but I think people will like it. And they did. So mm. when we think about the possibilities, when you've got that type of skill in a manager, you've got to have that manager who's connected to the front line, who has the ability to identify risks and bring out that innovation. And when you do, you get that type of amazing thing that changes changes a brand forever. Yeah, I love that. You you shared something earlier. You you shared um, when an employee feels safe and valued. And if an organization says, you know, we're all about you know, innovation and we encourage our teams to bring um, innovative ideas to the fore, if they don't feel safe and if there is an, even a hint of doubt that maybe if I share something, I'm going to be ridiculed or not feel safe in doing so, you can't gather a team together and say, well, let's think of ideas if you haven't taken the time to lay the foundations where people feel safe. So let's segue into where you want to speak a little bit more about employee engagement, let's define that because I'm pretty sure if we were to speak to 10 or 20 people, uh, managers, they may have a different um, yeah, meaning behind what they think engagement is. So how would you define what employment engagement is and what organisations should have as its definition? Yeah, you know, I think however you want to define it, as long as we're clear, we're talking about how does the individual feel about the work that they do at your organization. So I describe that often as their enthusiasm and commitment to the work. Um, you know, there's a number of different ways that you might be able to describe that differently and it would work fine, but it's really, do they feel that sense of connection to the work that they do and the organization that they're doing it for? Do they have clarity about what the goal is of the organization as a whole and then what their part in contributing to the success of that goal is? When they have that, then we can start to see that that commitment and that enthusiasm of I'm doing what I do best every day. I absolutely have the tools I need to be able to do that. And I've got people around me who make me feel safe, who help me feel like I belong, which is different than fitting in. Um, and I'm, I'm able to be the fullest expression of myself. And that adds value. And mm. when we've got that, that's that's what engagement is. Yes. You know, an organization may say, well, as long as the employee is doing the requirements and achieving the goals, doing the work, the task, we're fine with that. But you said something, and I think it's really the deeper level of that 
commitment uh, and, and contribution that often is hard to measure, but you will know an organization, you will see an organization whose team has got that versus an organization whose team is only just delivering results and measured only on that. We don't care about whether they feel valued or safe or respected or, you know, part of the team. You can see the difference in an organization, can't you, when you compare the two? You absolutely can. And when we start thinking about long-term sustainability of productivity, that's where we start to see huge differences in the impact of that. So you can maintain a workforce who is just, you know, treading along. They're not super committed. They don't have that deeper sense of connection and they may be successful for a time, but it is very difficult to continue to maintain that and continue to be innovative in the long-term. And the other thing I would say is this next generation of workers who are joining the workforce now have a different expectation. And so that generational difference is going to start to become part of a talent strategy. They expect to be committed and connected to the work. They expect to have that sense of belonging. And if you can't provide it, especially with a more remote world, they'll go find it wherever it is. They will not stay. And so talent strategies will become a critical enabler of successive organizations for this for this very this very reason. Yeah. It's interesting you should say that because um, I, I would be, I mean, I'm a boomer. And so even back in my day, uh, I would see my parents, what do you mean you don't love your job? I can still remember, uh, you know, and sometimes money is I remember working um, as uh, when I first immigrated or came from New Zealand here to Australia and I had some part-time work working for different contracts. And one particular role, I finished the work in like a day and I was going to be there for like weeks and I could just not sit there twiddling my thumb. So I actually went around to the other admin staff and said, do you need me to do anything? And so I caught up on or helped them catch up on their work. I actually went to the manager and said, I'm not having you pay me to sit here and do nothing I'm going to go home let my contract you know the organization who hired me um no not, not to pay me because you're not paying me to, to to sit and do nothing but if you have anything I'll, I'll come back I share that because it, it's what motivates the individual isn't it and it's not just money not just showing up if they don't feel connected guess what we will move till we find an organization or or something that we do where we feel valued committed purposeful meaningful work and as you say the younger generation certainly has that too but wouldn't you want someone working for your organization that approaches your the work and your organization in that way I mean I know I would if I was looking to hire and, and yeah. encourage the team. Yeah. And, you know, most organizations will say we do want that. It's just difficult to get there. And and that's a fair statement because it's not you don't just snap your fingers and create that type of workforce. It does take work and commitment and investment. And so I think that's where when we start to struggle and when we see things like what you're describing folks who are willing to say hey i didn't i didn't work a full day today i'm going to take this cut of pay because that's what's fair and i care about the organization versus folks who say yeah i'll take a paycheck and do nothing that's fine and it's easy to do sometimes in virtual settings not everyone does this but in these settings wouldn't you want to be in a place where you think my folks are being honest about about time right we don't have to worry about time things that add up to be a to be a lot 
Um, and another great story that I'll share, because I think it's another example of that commitment to your brand, that commitment to your organization. One of the organizations I've had the privilege of working for is Candy Company. And I lived in a town quite close to the main headquarters of this candy company. So it was really common to see people who also worked for the organization uh, all over the place, the grocery store, stuff like that. And one of the behaviors I noticed very early on living in this town was you could spot the people who worked for this organization because in the line, in the checkout line, they, they wouldn't make a big deal out of it, but they would just reach over and just straighten the display of their products. And they, they definitely didn't work in marketing or in packaging or anything. They just cared about the success of the organization. And it's not about working all the time or, or, or any of that. It's just about, I care so much about this on a Sunday afternoon with my toddlers. I'm going to make sure those packages are straight and faced because it's a representation of the work I'm pouring my heart into and I care how it looks. If you think about that, little teeny type of behaviors that you can create by engaging employees. And then you start to translate it to, well, what about when they're at work and they notice, oh, here's a little savings that we could make that could add up to be a huge savings, or here's a little productivity shift we can make that would add up to be a huge productivity sh shift. Do you have the type of workforce we're going to say, hey, I see an opportunity, let's get it. Because I really want to see this be successful and, and hitting these goals matter to me. Yeah, yeah. That's the stuff. Yeah. And, and as you say, that is the stuff that comes with an employee and a team that does feel engaged and, and connected. It's far deeper than that. And it's not something that you can um, train someone, if you will, is, is it? You can't, can't teach or train. It, it, it just happens out of what you're doing to support that team. And I think if we set it up in such a way where it just becomes the nature of how we deal with our teams, slowly but surely it just becomes something that is done, isn't it, alongside all of the other things that are done as, as equally as important. Because I think when people are engaged, it, they're far more productive so they may not necessarily have to take six hours to do something but three hours because they're far more engaged and more productive. Um, and that makes a big difference to the bottom line uh, as well. Let's talk about being a mindful, purposeful leader. You say is deeply critical now, not just nice to have anymore. Can you define for us mindful, purposeful leader? What does that mean to you? So for me, this is a leader who's not just sitting in the seat of boss or manager because that was the next rung up in the career path. It's somebody who said, I'm, I'm clear about my purpose as a human. I'm clear about what it is I'm here to do in the time that I'm here. And a big portion of the time that I'm here is going to be spent at work. So I'm clear about what impact I want to make on the organization and more importantly, on the people that I, that I lead. And that sounds simple. You might think, okay, of course, everybody's had that conversation in their head. And the reality is many have not. Because so often the transition to leader happens so quickly, and there's often a lot of excitement around that transition, folks step into the role and what they want to do is immediately start showing, I was the right pick for this role, I can absolutely nail it, and they've got that enthusiasm for success. And that sometimes clouds that moment of consideration to say, what is it that I want people to come away from <clears throat> working for me? 
feeling or experiencing or achieving? And how do I connect the way I behave, where I spend my time every day, how I interact with my people to that purpose? One of the things I tell my clients all the time is, if you haven't considered it yet, if you are a leader of others, you are dinner table conversation. And here's what I mean by that. Every night at dinner, my family does this. I think almost every family around the world does this. Sit down to dinner, and one of the first things we say is, well, how was your day? And we talk about all the stuff that happens, right? Our coworkers, what we're working on. Without fail, at some point, bosses come onto the table. How did you interact with your boss? Was it a good interaction? Did you get some not so great feedback that didn't feel good? Did you get handed a piece of work you're not excited about or offered an opportunity to work on a project you're just super excited about? Whatever it is, bosses come up at dinner tables every night. Mm -hmm. And many leaders don't take the time to consider, I was dinner table conversation last night. I will be dinner table conversation tonight. And every night until I'm not in this role anymore. And I have the privilege of getting to own a little bit of what do they say? How is that conversation? Do my people feel empowered, inspired, excited? Whatever it is that you want to create, are you aligning your behaviors, how you spend your time, the skills that you use to that impact you want to create? Are you being really intentional and mindful about that? Because you do have that huge impact on your folks, their spouse, their significant other, whoever they speak to is going to hear it. Their children will overhear it. It's a huge weight, right? So we should mm-hmm. be mindful about that. Yeah. We should be purposeful about that. Yes. And I'm sure that looking back at the time where you were promoted into a leadership role, you would have valued having some support. Perhaps they could not have given you support early on, but at that time where you stepped into that role to, you know, what is a good leader? How can I lead? How can I interact better with people? Um, if that support is not there, how on earth can we know to achieve something if we're not if, if we're not even aware of what that is? So share with me, I mean, I'm pretty sure if, if if organizations listening today and even people who may have been put into different leadership roles, no matter whether you are getting support earlier on before you step into that leadership role, you're in the leadership role now, or you've been in there for a while and you, you can kind of resonate with what you've been saying, Summer, I'm not leading the team in the best way possible. There are ways and things that we can do wherever you're at in the leadership stage, isn't there, to be able to, to move forward. What would be some encouraging words and insights as we start to finish up the show. What are some of the things that they can can do? And maybe there's some great resources that you've got on your website or that you've created that you can share a little bit more too for, for these leaders. Absolutely. So I say to leaders all the time, the first step is just get curious. Try to step out of your own ego, which is hard for everyone, but try to just get curious about what's going on around you. And what's really interesting is when you do that and you start to observe the interactions you're having with your team or your team is having within the organization, almost as if you are watching it like you're watching a movie and start saying, what is really happening here? What can I tell about that? That may give you some really great insights about the things you're just totally nailing right now. And maybe some things that you're like, oh, I've got to put some energy there. And that's a great place to start. Once you open that door to curiosity, you're already eons ahead of many others. It's just a great place to start. And then the second thing I say often is just be empathetic. Try to really lean into your empathy for your people and start to understand where are they? What is the experience they're having? 
and then be empathetic for yourself. What's the experience I'm having? What is the experience I want to be having? And how do I start to create a life, a job, uh, interactions that align with what I actually want and not necessarily what I think I should want, but what I really want. Um, once you start opening that door to that conversation, amazing things happen. Just absolute magic can happen because folks can start to say, oh, you know what? I'm not so far from understanding my purpose. I just need to get clear on it and shift a few things around. And all of a sudden I'm living a life that makes me feel like making the difference I want to make. And I'm influencing people the way that I want to. And that's, that's the gold. Yeah. What I love about what you just said too is we're mindful that there may be individuals who are working in an organisation where the team leader is, you know, espouses everything that you said. Um, We don't want to be. It is not the mindful, purposeful leader. There are still things that they can do within the organisation to support themselves, even though they may not necessarily get that support uh, from leaders. Let me ask you this question. If you had have had one of your team members come up to you and say something, what would have been an encouraging, I don't know, question or, you know, um, something to say to encourage that leader to maybe get some support? Because it's a fine line, isn't it? And it depends on the individual as to how they're going to take that on board or not. Mm-hmm. The way I ask that is if someone or some people do have a leader that could benefit greatly from um, from support and encouragement of what a mindful, purposeful leader is, could they have said something or done something that would encourage that leader to think, oh, maybe there is a difference. Maybe there are some things that I can do that would make a, a difference. Would there have been anything that one of your team members could have said that would have empowered you to, to look? I mean, you did anyway, so that was wonderful. But um, yeah, I would love to, to see, would there have been anything that someone could have said to you that could have encouraged you to go, well, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's true. Well, in my case, somebody did say something. I wouldn't recommend that we repeat that experience. But what was said to me by a very senior person in the group that I was leading was, it, it's terrible working here. I hate working here. (laughs) And to me, that was like, okay, that's the watershed moment. We've got to do something. So hopefully that it doesn't come to that. Um, And if you are in a position where you you hope your leader goes and gets some, some development or starts thinking about this or your organization does, there is just great opportunities to say, hey, I'm getting really clear about the impact I'm making on others. I'd love to do that together with you. I'd love to share with you what I'm doing um, and the impact it's making to me. Just opening that door with a bit of vulnerability to say, this is what I'm working on. And even being brave enough to to give some well-structured feedback and saying, when you behave in this way, this is the impact it's having on me. And I'm sharing this with you because I care about you and I care about this organization. And that level of vulnerability and clarity can be hugely, hugely impactful. Um, I work on, on giving feedback all the time with my clients and there is actually a, there's a feedback worksheet available on my LinkedIn page. So if folks want that, they can go grab that all the time. I'm offering worksheets on my website so people can go and grab those little things that can be taken back to your organization and say, Hey, I'm trying this feedback framework, or I'm trying to prioritize my work in this way. There's some of those. And indeed, at the moment on my website, there is a micromanager assessment. So if somebody's listening to this and thinking, I really hope I am not the absolute dreaded micromanager. That's what everybody doesn't want to be, right? But I don't know if I am or not. There's an assessment on my web 
on my webpage. You can download totally for free right now. It'll help you understand, are you over-managing or under-managing your people? And if you are, what might tell you that you're doing that? And that can just, some of those little things can be helpful in opening up the window to understand what's really happening here. Yeah. And the leader would be able to sense that the, that something is not right, that, you know, uh, because of all of the fires that they need to continue to put out. But I love the way in which if you approach and give some feedback that way, you can encourage them. For instance, you know, you might be someone who needs to have information well beforehand so that you can process it, digest it and, you know, sit with it. Whereas someone else may be able to change things, you know, on a whim and be able to go. And so if you've got a leader that rushes in at the last minute and has you um, drop everything to start something else you might say to them nicely say look I'm really I'm I'm going to help to support you in that way but just you know um, in future I work really best if I have a few days so if there is something that you know in the future that any change like that that's just going to help me to contribute the best possible way something like that and I I think um, your encouragement to go to LinkedIn and to your website Mm -hmm. what is your website Summer that people can go there and get those resources you mentioned so my website is my website is leader-shop.com, leadershop uh, with a dash in the middle. And then you can find me on LinkedIn, Summer Davies. I'm very regularly sharing tools and resources uh, just to, to make sure people have stuff in their hands. So if you work in an organization who just doesn't have the capacity to do to, to offer those types of resources, or you just want to build on the skills you already have, those are there. And, and I'm keen to share them. I share them pretty regularly. And then if you have folks who really want to get into this, I do offer a program for emerging leaders who want to really build their skills and, and start yeah. to become that type of leader who creates the people who shift the candy bars in the, in the aisle and come up with the great ideas. What I'm reminded as you're sharing all of those wonderful resources to empower yourself, it really goes back to that statement. I can't remember who said this, but anyway, it's a good one. Be the change you want others to be and others to see. And so, you know, if if you are engaging with others and others feel so good around you and come to you often, that's going to be noticeable. And I'm sure your leader will come to you and go, what are you doing that I need to do more of? And what a wonderful opportunity for you to be able to share um, what you are doing and the key resources. We have just started this conversation. We have scratched the surface. I just want to shout out to Jade Green, who has said, love this, ladies. And Amber Danes has said, yes, connection is key. So continue the conversation, you know, add your comments, your thoughts, uh, what you've done below the conversation, wherever this is streamed uh, live. And please connect to Summer either on her website or over on LinkedIn. Look, thank you so much for coming on the show and starting this conversation. It has been um, it's been fun and so important as well. We can all make an impact, can't we, no matter what we, we are, uh, where we are uh, in the world or what our position. Let's be, if we're going to be the, um, the I was going to say boardroom conversation, absolutely, but the dinner conversation, let it be one that is empowered to say, you know what, I felt inspired and empowered through being in that person's presence be that sort of person I think is uh, one that I would like to aim for too I think we all would wouldn't we I agree your dinner table conversation whether you own the flavor of that conversation or not it's up to you yeah absolutely well Summer have a wonderful rest of the day and evening wherever you you are and thanks once again 
Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition or new clients you'd hope for and you don't know why? I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority, even in a crowded marketplace. And you've positioned yourself as the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.